Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Force equals mass times acceleration. It's a really simple, innocent math equation when you're working with kids and their physics homework. But when applied to real life, it can have deadly results. For instance, the most deadly train crash in North American history happened in 1915, not far from Guadalajara, Mexico. It was during the Mexican Revolution, at, and the president of Mexico, at that time, uh, his name was Venustio Carranza, had ordered the 900-some family members of his soldiers to be transported by train to the safety of Guadalajara. Now, the train followed tracks along the, the west coast of Mexico, and the coastline there is steep and rugged terrain. The train engineer, who was inexperienced, was taking the train too fast along the coastline, and then the brakes of the train failed. Sadly, the train plummeted over the side of a cliff. Out of the 900 people, only 300 survived. In the aftermath of that horrible tragedy, people were left asking the question, who's responsible for this? Who's to blame? Today on the first Sunday of Lent, we again look at the, the tragedy of the human race. And here again we're left with those same questions, who's to blame? The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 tells us it's all on him. We're going to read these words from Romans chapter 5 verses 12 through 9 again. I invite you to stand as we read as follows in Jesus' name. So then, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, so also death spread to all people because all sinned. For even before the law was given, sin was in the world. Now sin is not charged to one's account if there is no law, yet death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those whose sin was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a pattern of the one who was to come. But the gracious gift is not like Adam's trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of this one man, it is even more certain that God's grace and the gift given by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. And the gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment that followed the one, the one trespass resulted in a verdict of condemnation. But the gracious gift that followed many trespasses resulted in the verdict of justification. Indeed, if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the one man, 
It is even it is even more certain that those who receive the overflowing grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So then, just as one trespass led to a verdict of condemnation for all people, so also one righteous verdict led to life-giving justification for all people. For just as though the disobedience of one man, the many became sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will become righteous. We bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. We pray that you sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. The thing about trains is where the head goes, the rest of the train will follow. If the engine stays on track and drives a a safe speed, the rest of the train will follow suit behind it. Simply put, this is called a a headship principle. We see it in in our world all the time. Uh, When things go wrong in the country, who gets the blame? The head of the state. In the same way, the Bible talks about the family. God has made the husband the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So that where the head leads, where the, where the man leads, the rest of the family or the rest of the congregation will follow. Well, if there's headship in the family, in the church, even in the state, there's also a headship of the human race. And that's what the Bible emphasizes in Genesis. When God creates Adam as the very first man, it's not just stressing the order of creation, but also that as the first human being, he is the father of the human race. He's the head of humanity. And as the father, as the head, he was the target for the devil's temptation. As we read those verses from Genesis, you saw that the devil, even though he tempted Eve to sin, even though Eve sins first, it is through Adam's sin that sin enters the world. It is after Adam's sin that the eyes of both of them were opened and they saw their nakedness and shame. Adam was the devil's real target. He knew if he could derail Adam, he could thrust the entire human race into damnation and death. And what does that look like today? I was reading a study by the University of Oxford. They estimate yearly 57 million people die. That means that in the space of our worship service today, 6,506 people are estimated to die. And the time I shot off those statistics, 108 people have died. 
57 million deaths a year. There's 141 million births every year. And every single one of those children born are born in this train, this family tree that is destined to destruction and death. It's all on Adam. At the same time, where in, in our world today, we're very comfortable with, with the idea of headship, that, that when something goes wrong, we blame the man in charge. The other part of the headship principle is it means that we're accountable for one another. That our sins affect each other. And that one sin can cause the death and damnation of many. And that's what really makes us uncomfortable. That's what makes us protest. Because we like to see ourselves and we like to understand our own spiritual situation as, as being in a boxcar of one. The, the decisions I make, the choices I make, they only affect me. My spiritual life is just about me and my relationship with God and no one else. So we tell ourselves, I can come to church on Sunday, but then throughout the week as I, as I live my life and I lose my temper, as I snap at co-workers and I snap at my family members, or as, as I, I engage in, in gossip and slander, those sins affect the people around us. They look at us. Our own children might look at us and say, they call themselves a Christian? What an empty faith. Fathers that tell themselves that it's all just about my relationship with God. It doesn't matter if I go to church on Sunday or not will bear the responsibility and the blame when their own children say, I don't need to go to church either. When wives don't respect and honor their husbands, they will bear the responsibility and the blame when their children and the rest of the family does not honor and respect authority, whether that's the authority of their father in heaven or the authority of their Father on earth. We are all connected together, and as one human train, we are headed to eternal destruction. But whereas the, the headship principle can, can make people feel a little, little bit uncomfortable, at the same time, our God is consistent. If the sin of one man can condemn many to death, therefore, if the righteous life and action of the right man, it also has the potential to save and rescue many. Therefore, we see as sin entered the world through one man, God would bring salvation into the world through the seed or the offspring of the woman our own Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the new and improved model. Not just true man, but true man and true God. Through Jesus, God was starting a, a reset for the human race, a new head to set a, a track, a path, 
along righteousness and purity in perfect obedience to God. And that's why today we see such an epic confrontation between the devil and Jesus when Jesus is being tempted. The devil knows if he can cause Jesus to stumble just once, he will offset God's plan of salvation. He comes at Jesus with that same temptation as Adam in the garden, take and eat. Turn these stones into bread. Use your power for your own benefit. He comes at Jesus with that same temptation later when he's hanging on the cross. If you are the Son of God, if you are truly the head of the human race, prove it. Come down. Use your power to help yourself. Jesus knew it's not just about him. He knew that our salvation was hanging on him. He knew he had the entire human race in tow behind him. That his perfect life, his innocent death, and his glorious resurrection was, was plowing the way to eternal life for you and me. And through his righteous life, God declares all humanity innocent, forgiven, saved. But God wants this salvation to be yours personally. Jesus says in John chapter 3 that a man must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to be born again, not of perishable seed of Adam, but of the imperishable word of the living God. Born again through the Holy Spirit and the water of baptism to be made children of God. Connected to our new, our new head and Savior, Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, You were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too may walk in newness of life. The Holy Spirit uses this amazing miracle of baptism to pluck us out of Adam's doomed line and place us into Christ. That's a miracle we get to see performed with little Isaiah this morning. One more snatched out of that doomed line and placed into Christ. Where the head goes, the rest of the train will follow. Our lives on this earth are still lives where we struggle against sin. We're, we're connected to Christ in an uphill battle. Our sinful natures are always going to be pulling us back. But we have new life in Christ. In Revelation chapter 14, we're told, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for they will enter their rest, and their deeds will follow them. So we strive to live a life following in Christ's footsteps. So we strive to live a life of love towards our family members, uh, the people we know. We can't imagine how God is using your acts of love to touch other hearts, to connect other people to Christ. So that when we finally make it over the brink of that hill and follow Jesus into death, our deeds will follow us. Our force, the force of our life lived in Christ, will bring others behind us.
The Apostle Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen.